This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Good morning. It's Tuesday, October the 4th, 2022. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown coming to you on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go. Coming up on the show today, there's an update on the National Disability Benefit. Megan Gilmore will share that with you. Louise Levesque Burley will tell you about some issues she's been experiencing with guide dog access on Prince Edward Island. And we wrap up the show as we do on Tuesdays with the weekly news quiz. We'll have Karen McGee, Andy Frank, and special guest Mike Ross. For all the years that Mike put me to the test as a contestant, we're now going to do the old switcheroo. In Quebec yesterday, and the results are in. The Coalition Avenir Québec gained seats en route to their second consecutive majority government. The CAQ won 90 of a possible 125 ridings. The Liberals will form the official opposition with 21 seats. Quebec Solidaire won 11 ridings. The Parti Québécois holds three seats. And despite capturing over 500,000 votes, the Provincial Conservative Party won zero seats. Premier Francois Legault says he wants to represent all Quebecers regardless of political stripe. When I say that Quebecers form a great nation, I mean all Quebecers from all regions, of all ages, of all origins. I'm going to be the premier of all Quebecers. Cabinet Minister Jean-Vivre Guibault says the result affirms the work the CAQ has done over the last four years. To see tonight that the makers chose to place their trust in us again for four more years, we are so very grateful and so excited and so impatient to keep on the good work for making Quebec prouder, more green and uh, more rich. Let's talk about the other leaders who held their seats. Parti Québécois leader Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon won the Montreal riding of Camille Laurent. Quebec Liberal leader Dominique Anglade has been re-elected in her Montreal riding of Saint-Henri-Saint-Anne. And Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois is the spokesperson for Quebec Solidaire. He's been re-elected in the Montreal riding of Gouin. Let's switch over to a federal story. A new report shows top companies paid less taxes than expected last year. How much less? How about $30 billion? Emily Javesky has more. The report from Canadians for Tax Fairness analyzed the financial statements of 123 large Canadian corporations. It found the effective or actual tax rate paid by these companies was about 15% in 2021, significantly lower than the 26.5% average of the combined federal and provincial tax rate. Report author D.T. Cochran says that can be due to a range of reasons, from legal tax deductions to claiming profits in lower tax jurisdictions. Emily Joveski, The Canadian Press. Switching to a more somber note, vigils are planned across the country today to honour missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. 
Family members of Indigenous women killed across British Columbia shared their stories ahead of the Sisters in Spirit vigils. Natasha Harrison is a mother of an Indigenous woman who went missing in late April. We count on you to uphold the law, and I hope we can reach a point in our justice system where cases like these get solved instead of brushed under the rug because one person decides a human being doesn't deserve a proper investigation. Bridget Tolley says she's been struggling after her mother was struck and killed by a police car in October of 2001. I have been sharing my story for over 20 years and still struggle with the anger and injustice I feel. Too many times I felt alone and that no one was listening. Nothing can take away this pain. Judy Wilson with the Union of BC Indian Chiefs says they will not stop fighting until police and justice reform at all levels is achieved. We never had answers. We never felt closure. We, de- we deserve justice and we need action. So that's just one of the AFN that's uh, dedicated to some of this work. Let's switch to something a little bit more upbeat as we wrap up this newscast ahead of the daily polls. I told you it's Nobel Prize week, which means I'm going to do my best to try and explain science to you. It's already going poorly and today is going to go much worse. Three scientists have jointly won this year's Nobel Prize for physics for their work in quantum information science. I I know what those words individually mean. I didn't know you could put them together. That has applications in the field of encryption. Ellen Asper, John F. Klauser, and Arlen Zellinger were honored by the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences. Academy Secretary General Hans Ellingren explains the importance of their work. They received the prize for experiments with entangled photons, establishing the violation of Bell inequalities and pioneering quantum information science. Yeah, I'm, I'm just as confused as, as when we started. That, but either way, now you know someone won the Nobel Prize for physics. Like I told you yesterday, your boy did not do grade 11 physics. He decided that liberal arts was more his vein. Here's what I do understand. Money, 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 money. The prizes carry a cash award of approximately 1.25 million Canadian dollars. So, science pays. Liberal arts does not let's get to our daily polls at accessible media is where you find us on twitter at accessible media inc is where you find us on facebook on monday we asked you when it comes to technology are you loyal to a particular brand in other words will you pay more to have all your devices in the same ecosystem 72 percent of you are balling out you said yes and 42 percent of you said no and 14 percent of you a little more discerning you said it depends on the price So let's circle back to what our top story of the day was, the Quebec election, which is prompting the age-old question about electoral reform after any election in Canada at any level. So here's the question that I'm asking you at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Do you want electoral reform at all levels of government in Canada with a greater focus on the popular vote? Yes, no, or not sure. Before I start passing the ball around on this one, I just want to share with you some more numbers for the sake of context here. So as I mentioned to you off the top, 90 of 125 seats are going to the Coalition Avenir Quebec. That's, let's call it 70% of seats. I just want to keep the math a little more simple here. Let's say they're about to take 70% of seats in the legislature. A, a, a significant, significant number. They had 41% of the vote. 
So 41% of the votes means you get over 70% of the seats. Yes, that's the way our system typically works, especially when it comes to majority governments. It just seems like a striking thing. But I'm even willing to put aside the notion of who wins and gets what for winning. I want to come down a little bit further here to the Quebec Conservative Party, who picked up in total 530,000 votes. That's really only a couple thousand votes off the other major parties that are going to be forming opposition. So Quebec Solidaire had just over 600,000, the Parti Québécois just under 600,000, same with the Liberal Party. So we're talking about tens of thousands less votes, but still a significant share of the popular vote, 12.9% for the Quebec Conservative Party, and yet zero representation inside the legislature. I am a big-time believer in democracy, regardless of your politics. This is how I felt after I saw what happened in the federal election with the People's Party of Canada picking up nearly a million votes and getting zero seats. In both these cases, you're talking about people who are going to feel like, wait a minute, why wasn't my voice heard on this? I cast a vote. I live in a democracy. I put up a number in terms of a popular vote that should indicate there has to be some kind of representation for me here. This is what's going to make people dissatisfied from democracy, whether they be conservatives or whether they be progressives, because we have the same conversation about the Green Party after the majority of elections. So the idea that you're only a couple of percentage points off three other parties who are getting some representation, even in the case of the Parti Québécois and Québec solidaire, I mean, especially the Parti Québécois only picking up a few seats, yet having more votes than the Liberals and only a few less than, than, uh, than, the, uh, than uh, Québec solidaire, it just, it just strikes me as the kind of thing that will dissatisfy people. It'll make them feel like they're going to push against a lot of these democratic institutions. And I think instead of fighting against the institutions... Maybe we just need to change the institution, right? We don't need to tear the institution down. We don't need to blow it up. We don't need to storm capitals. But maybe we need to find a way to make sure people's voices feel included in this process. That's just what I'm thinking this morning. That's what I'm feeling this morning. Now, I know some of you are intent listeners and have been listening to me for a long time. We covered the referendum in British Columbia a couple of years ago where the people of BC said, no, we don't want electoral reform. So I also understand how democracy can play into this too. If people say, ah, we don't want electoral reform, we don't want electoral reform. But I'd be willing to wager across the spectrum. I think a referendum in every province and federally would be at least worthwhile, at least worthwhile to get a gauge for the people. And listen, if we have a referendum and the collective says no, and that's it. It's no. And I'll drop it. You'll never hear me talk about it again. But I do worry about the way in which our current electoral system impacts the way in which people perceive the integrity of our democracy. Let's bring in Mike Ross on this one. Mike, you're filling in for Alex Smythe today. We greatly appreciate it. What do you make of this daily poll question, which I think you and I have definitely batted around before in the past? Yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm with you. I think that there are a ton of folks who feel like, okay, I dropped the ballot in the ballot box and there ends my involvement because my voice isn't represented over the next four years. And I always kind of chuckle when I hear any um, premier or prime minister who, who then stands before his audience and says, I am the premier for all, in this case, all Quebecers. Well, of course you are, because you're the premier. But philosophically, you are not, 
because there's no way that Francois Legault is going to espouse the 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 beliefs and the policies of these other parties. He just won a huge landslide majority. He's rolling ahead with his agenda. And that's the problem here is the, we, we get these elections where you win the number, the, the most number of seats. And there's a whole section of the population that for the next four years is ignored. Policies that, that they want to push forward are pushed completely aside, not even considered. And you're absolutely right. There's a whole segment of the population that then feels like, why should I even vote? Because it means nothing. Here's the other thing that really irks me, is that Justin Trudeau and um, the, the Premier of Quebec, François de Gaulle, both promised in their last election – in, and with Justin Trudeau, I think it's a couple of elections yeah, it was, it ago. It was 2015. That, he, was, he was brought in they, under the promise of electoral reform. That's right. They were going to reform um, the, the electoral process. Once they were in, they realized, eh, if we do that, we don't win. We don't win the way we did. And no one – this can gets kicked down the road all the time. And it's almost like, well – if we reform things now, we're not going to be in power. And besides which, um, you know, let, we'll let somebody else take care of it, right? The, the passing of the political buck here is so obvious. And it's really, it's disheartening because all we hear about is how do we get more people to come back into the political system? How do we get more people involved? How do we get more people interested and respecting not only politics, but politicians, and yet we see something like we did yesterday and with Lego four years ago and with Trudeau in 2015. So it's pretty disheartening. Yeah, it is disheartening for sure. Although I also find it equally disheartening that in BC they gave people the choice. They put it to a referendum and people were like, nah, this is too confusing. We don't want to do it. Uh, which, <laughs> which again speaks to, I suppose, some of the complexity and emotional checkout that exists sometimes in the world of politics. Uh, I want to bring in Eliza Rocco on this. Eliza, what do you make of this question of the day in regards to electoral reform? Certainly the, Quebec is the jumping off point, but we've seen this in many, many provinces, including Ontario, just a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah, Dave. There's there's obviously pros and cons to both systems. But when I was younger and going through civics class for the first time and didn't know how politics worked at all, I thought it was popular vote. That's what I generally assumed because that's what made sense in my 16-year-old brain. And when I took that class, I was very surprised to learn that's that's not how Canadian politics, U.S. politics, that's not how it works. And while the concept of popular vote does make more sense to me, and it gives more of a representative parliament for the majority of Canadians, Canadians just they don't want to they don't want to do it. They don't want to. They don't. They either don't understand it or don't care enough about it. And mm -hmm. that, like Mike said, it's really disheartening. I, I, I think sometimes I know. I know in British Columbia there was a huge campaign against it where they really tried to muddle it. The the opposition really tried to muddle the question. And by the way, just as as a matter of course, the ballot was actually quite confusing because mm. there were multiple questions on the ballot, as opposed to saying with with referendum number one, do you want electoral reform? Yes or no. <laughs> yes or no. And then there was a second question. Well, if yes, what do you want? And they just threw the whole thing yeah. for a whole loop. Whereas you're better off asking a singular question and then having a second referendum. We say, okay, well now that you've said you want 
want this? What do you actually want? Do you want A, B, or C? Just it, it eliminates some of the confusion that exists because a lot of people are just happy to complain about government. They don't necessarily want to fix government. They like having the thing they can complain about at the diner or the cafe, but not actually <laughs> want to create structural change. Yeah, it's, they say, oh, it's too confusing. Oh, it's too complicated. Oh, it'll take too long. But... They just don't. They just don't want to see change, and yeah. it makes me sad. Yeah, it does. It makes me a little sad too. But not, but I keep asking the question because I enjoy. I enjoy the exercise of making myself sad. I am a little <laughs> bit of a masochist in the end. Eliza, thank you for this. Thank you. That's Eliza Rocco. You can vote on the poll at Accessible Media on Twitter at Accessible Media Inc on Facebook. You can send us emails feedback at ami.ca feedback at ami.ca or you can always give us a ring ding ding. Pick up the phone. Punch the number in and leave a message for your boy Dave Brown, 1-866-509-4545. That's 1-866-509-4545. Let's go back to Mike Ross. He has the National Weather Update. Dave, it is your National Weather Report here on AMI from Environment Canada. We'll begin in St. John's, Newfoundland, where it will be sunny with a high of 14 degrees. Halifax, Nova Scotia, mainly sunny today and the high 17. Montreal will be mainly sunny with a high of 18 degrees. Ottawa, sunshine, 17 is your high. Toronto, mainly sunny and a high of 18. Thunder Bay, mainly cloudy, maybe some showers today, a high of 19 degrees. Winnipeg will be a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 20. How about Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, mainly sunny today with a high of 23. Calgary, sunny and 23 degrees. Edmonton, mainly sunny and a high of 22. To Yellowknife, cloudy with a high of plus 5. Vancouver, a mix of sun and cloud, a high of 24 and a humidex of 27. And in Victoria, mainly sunny with a high of 20 that drops to 16 near the Juan de Fuca Strait. And that was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Mike. It might be a little chillier by the Juan de Fuca Strait, but at least you can see some orca whales. Coming up after the break, a disability advocate in Nova Scotia is calling for a vulnerable person's registry following the aftermath of Hurricane Fiona. I'll share the details with you in the Accessibility Story Roundup. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Megan Gilmore will be here in a couple of minutes with an update on the National Disability Benefit. But before we get to that, I have the Accessibility Story Roundup. This one coming to you from CBC News, written by Danielle Edwards. A Nova Scotia disability advocate is calling for a vulnerable person's registry after Hurricane Fiona. So a lot of the story comes from the perspective of disability advocate Anne Camozzi, describing her experience as Fiona barreled down on Antigonish, Nova Scotia. When the power went out and the telecom went down, the only way to learn about relief centers or emergency evacuation spaces was from the radio because none of the locations were announced in advance. And Anne also expressed the issue of actually getting to those centers when accessible transit options were cancelled due to the storm. She feels a voluntary 
vulnerable persons registry is one way the province could protect a large portion of the province's population, like seniors or people with disabilities. The registry would include elements like a person's location, what kind of disability a resident had, and a personal plan in case of emergencies. In case you're curious, there are other jurisdictions that do have models like this. For example, Waterloo, Ontario has a registry similar to what Anne Camozzi is proposing. The registry is a collaborative effort between police, the community, and third-party organizations like the Alzheimer's Society. It's something that we talk about a lot. Certainly, as individuals, we have to have our own personal preparation plans in place. But in this case, we know that when disaster actually strikes and a crisis finds its way out there, oftentimes people with disabilities are forgotten. And it really makes you think when you consider the possibility of a mandatory evacuation if you don't have a car, if you can't drive. What do you do in those scenarios and who's there to help you? A couple of weeks ago, I had to stop saying this because I was saying it too much, but I will remind you of the cliche that I will one day put on a t-shirt. Kindness is not adequate policy. Kindness is a wonderful thing, but kindness does not replace sound policy. And having preparation plans in place for people with disabilities in times of crisis counts as sound policy. Coming up next, Megan Gilmore will have an update on the National Disability Benefit as it makes its way through Parliament. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Emily Javesky with your Morning Business Minute. A rise in the price of oil to more than $80 U.S. a barrel helped Canada's main stock index add more than 400 points Monday, the first day of the fourth quarter. Toronto's S&P TSX added 437 points, finishing at 18,881. In New York, the Dow Jones was up 765 points at 29,490. The Nasdaq rose about 240 points to 10,815. Japan's Nikkei finished in the green this morning, up 776 points at 26,992. Our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 73.64 cents US. And CN Rail says its newly released winter plan focuses on precision and planning, including for extreme cold periods. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Emily Jovesky. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Legislation to create the National Disability Benefit reached second reading in the House of Commons a few weeks ago. Accessibility reporter Megan Gilmore is here with an update. Take good morning, Megan. Good morning, Dave. How are you? I'm well, Megan. Before we jump into the world of the specifics of this bill, I need you to give us a civics lesson. What does it mean to have a second reading on the bill's journey to becoming law? Right. So... A bill has to go through first the House of Commons and then the Senate uh, before it becomes law. And at the House of Commons, which is where we are right now, a bill goes through three readings. So in the first reading, literally all they do is say, this is the bill and this is what it is. Like there's no debate. We just read it out into the record. The second reading, which is where we are right now with Bill C-22, is uh, the bill is read out again. 
And then there's debate. So there's time for all members of parliament to say things, to ask questions, to potentially insult each other, like all the things that happen on a debate. And then the debate moves to a committee. The committee will study the bill. They call witnesses, all these people that give expert uh, opinion on this. And then after they hear all the witnesses, the committee then discusses the bill clause by clause. They discuss any changes that could be made. If there's going to be changes to the text of a bill, it will likely happen at committee. After the committee does all that, it goes back to third reading to the House of Commons where there will be more debate. And then if it passes third reading, it moves on to the Senate. So let's go back to the second reading. Did anything notable happen during the course of the reading? Uh, so Minister Carla Coltrell, the Minister of Disability Inclusion, she gave a very passionate speech about the need to lift uh, working age Canadians with disabilities out of poverty. The bill was heard a second time and there was a debate and the main topic of the debate, uh, Dave, and this will not surprise you, was the fact that nothing in this bill has changed in, ever since it was first introduced more than a year ago. So um, members of parliament had questions about why there were no details, but the bill has not yet moved to committees. So there was one day of debate on the first day of parliament coming back. It was very historic. And then there has been no more debate. So there was a... Um, let's let's call it an attempt to have the bill move to have trying to have the bill move to committee more quickly. What happened there? So on September 29th, Mike Maurice, who is the Green MP from Kitchener Centre, he presented a motion that the House of Commons unanimously vote to move the bill directly to committee without more debate. So that's like, you know, we've said all we need to say, just move this bill to committee. Let's get this through the House as quickly as possible. That motion did not pass. There were a few Conservative MPs who voted against it. It's hard to know who exactly voted against it because these votes are not recorded. It's just a bunch of people say, hey, and then a few people say nay. Um, and the individuals who said nay were from the Conservative Party in Canada, but we don't know exactly who they were. What else did Mike Morris have to say? Sir, so I spoke to him um, the day after this happened, and he said on the positive side of it is that there was um, support from all parties, so all Bloc Québécois, all NDP Liberals, and then many Conservatives. So that does show a strong level of support in the House. But it's up to the government, so the Liberal Party, to bring the bill up for second reading and debate. You will see on Twitter a lot of people calling out the Conservatives for holding up that bill, and it's understandable. But right now it is up to the Liberals to bring it forward again. So what did Minister Carla Qualtra have to say about the motion to expedite it to committee not passing? Right. So she was pretty disappointed. And here's how she explained it to me. I really thought the tenor of the speeches on Monday from all parties was a consensus that we need to move this forward. And so I was very excited to have have been, you know, to see that motion be put forward because I thought that would really accelerate um, the process and quite disappointed that one party decided, the Conservatives decided not to support that motion. It wouldn't have done anything except get it to committee where we could really dig in on this. 
So, Megan, we are still looking at the possibility of this advancing to committee, but we know that there are far more devils in many, many details here because this is going to come down to negotiation between the provinces who typically handle disability support and the territories and the federal government. So what did Minister Qualtra have to say about those negotiations? Right. And that's a crucial, crucial part of this benefit. The uh, and and. This legislation has to pass first before the provinces and territories can say, yes, federal government, we agree to all the things that you are saying about how you would like this benefit to look. So Minister Cultural is actually taking this time to discuss with provinces and territories other uh, issues related to their provincial benefit programs. For example, the fact that when you turn 65, you often lose all benefits. Um, but here's what she had to say specifically about the work with the provinces and territories on this bill. We haven't stopped working since we announced this benefit in a speech from the throne almost two years ago. We've been working at a bunch of different levels. So officials have struck work groups with all the provinces. Um, deputy ministers have a working group. And the goal, of course, in all of this, from our perspective, is to make sure that people are always gonna be better off by getting the CDB, right? So that the, the clawback, the harmonization, access to not just income support, but services you get because you're on a disability benefit provincially, we can't, like that. that's a red line for me. We are not gonna get in a position where I'm replacing provincial or territorial support or jeopardizing any access people have right now to whatever, and in some cases it's very minimal, supports. Megan, you reached out to the government of Ontario about the progress on the benefit. What response did you get from that government? Right. So to their credit, I did receive a response and it was it was fairly quick. Um, essentially, uh, what I was told is that Minister Fullerton, who is the minister of uh, responsible for these programs, that she has met with her federal counterparts and quote, will continue to engage with them to help support an expedited delivery of the Canada dis- disability benefit. Uh, And then the statement goes on further to say that the government of Ontario understands the importance of supporting individuals with a disability and then mentions the 5% increase to the Ontario Disability Support Program, which is a topic that has been discussed greatly on this program if you want to go back into archives. There has, there's no shortage of uh, that conversation and there will continue to be no yeah. shortage of that conversation. Yeah. Uh, Megan, speaking of someone who might be familiar to regular viewers mm-hmm. of this show, you had a chance to speak with Rabia Khadr from Disability Without Poverty. They've been advocating for this benefit for a long time. What did Rabia have to say about the latest developments? So there's conflicting emotions, right? There's anger and there's hurt that this bill wasn't moved to committee, that actually the vote to move it to committee did not happen uh, when it was first brought to second reading, right? Like this would say, like, why didn't you just vote on it that day? But while members in the House of Commons were very much concerned about the lack of details present in this bill, the fact that all details will be left to regulations, uh, Rabbi Kedar says that she's not as worried about that. Neither are many people in the disability community in Canada. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One is you don't want to make a law that will then later on penalize future generations. So if, for example, this law did say in the text of the law itself, this is how much the benefit will be. Well, we don't know what the cost of living is going to be like in 30 years. And it would take a much longer time to go back and change the law, to change the regulation is much is much easier. And uh, she's very confident that there are advocates 
uh, on um, looking on on the regulations, working in all provinces and territories who are listening to the disability community. But she did say that she personally would like to see the bill passed in 2022, so in this year, so that people get the benefit, they get the money in 2023. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are the next steps in regards to the advocacy side of this? Right, so from October 17th to October 29th, Disability Without Poverty will be in Ottawa for three days. The 17th will be a reception on the Hill for the government and business leaders and potentially members of the media uh, to hear about what it's like to live in disability poverty in Canada. And then on the 18th, members of Disability Without Poverty will be meeting with members of parliament discussing their concerns with them and why they want people to support this legislation. And then this October 19th at noon, there will be a rally on Parliament Hill. So that's the advocacy side. As mentioned, there's still a number of government hoops to jump through here. What are the next steps for the government? Right. So I spoke to Minister Coltrow about this yesterday. She said that it is possible that the bill could come back for more debate this month. There are a few other government house items that are kind of um, in the queue that they need, they need to deal with first, but it is possible that it will come back for more debate this month. I asked about if it's possible that the bill would be passed this year. For those who may remember, we're still in the middle of a three-year consultation period on this benefit. And this is what the minister had to say in terms of a timeline. The quicker this becomes law, the quicker we move to the regulatory process, which is where we really dig in on the details, right? And so, you know, we will publish regulations, people will have a chance to comment on them. um, And then, you know, that process, even in an expedited way, could take six, eight months. So again, it depends on, like, the quicker this gets out of the house, the quicker that process kicks in, the quicker the actual kind of technical um, negotiations where we sign the dotted lines with Mm -hmm. the provinces happen. Um, but our ducks are in a row. Like it's like, I have no, I'm not sitting here saying, God, I've got a lot of work to do to get ready for this. We are ready whenever this, like whenever the next steps happens, we, the, nothing on our end will slow this down. Megan, the ducks may be in a row, but the wheels of politics move slowly. That really is a, a theme in the first hour of the show today. Yes. And for those of you who have been wondering, where is the disability inclusion action plan? It exists. It still has yet to be released to the public because of concerns with accessibility of formats to release it on. So yeah, that's a whole other other thing waiting for us as well. It's 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 how the wheels it's how the wheels spin sometimes. Megan, we appreciate this. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day. That's Megan Gilmore, accessibility reporter with an update on the National Disability Benefit. Of course, we'll be keeping a close eye on that one as well. But if you ever want to reach out to Megan, if you have an idea for a story or something that you think uh, she might want to cover in your neck of the woods, it could be more regional. If you want it to be, you can find her on social media at Megan Gilmore, at Megan Gilmore, M-E-A-G-A-N-G-I-L-L. M-O-R-E. If social media is not your thing, you can always reach out to us 
via email, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or via phone, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. Again, we're talking about a big tent issue there in regards to the national disability benefit, but we know there's all sorts of provincial disability regulations flying all over the place in Manitoba, and British Columbia, and Nova Scotia, and Newfoundland and Labrador. We understand it can be kind of wild and there's certainly plenty of access denials that exist around the country as well. So if you have a story that you want to share, please feel free to reach out to us on that front. Speaking of access denial, Louise Levesque Burley will tell you about some issues she's been having with guide dog access on Prince Edward Island. But first, Amazon is updating its smallest smart speaker. Here's Daria Albinger with Tech Trends. There's a new Echo Dot speaker. Digital Trends' Caleb Dennison says the new Dot gets some exterior changes. It has a clock in it. That clock is now more colorful and brighter than it was before. The device also comes with an improved speaker. But Dennison says the biggest change has to do with how it connects to your home Wi-Fi. The interesting thing, however, about the Echo speakers that was announced is that they will now become part of the Eero Wi-Fi system. That means each Dot can act as a Wi-Fi extender. Not only will they, you know, play music and let you interact with Alexa, but they will actually extend the Wi-Fi in your home, which is a really clever way of doing things. Older dots as well as the full-size spherical Echo are set to add the capability in the coming weeks as well. The new dot starts at 50 bucks. With Tech Trends, I'm Daria Albinger, ABC News. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI, a story that is all too common for guide dog handlers is guide dog access denial. It's something we talk about on this show fairly frequently. It's something that people experience even more frequently. Let's bring in community reporter Louise Levesque Burley in Moncton, New Brunswick, who recently had a situation just like this. Hey, good morning, Louise. Hey, Dave, how you doing today? I'm well. So, Louise, you were on Prince Edward Island and you had a guide dog access issue. What happened? Well, it all happened before I went to the island. I hadn't been there in 20 years, so we were pretty, pretty excited of going. So we picked up the phone, made reservation, made all our... Um, you know, this room, that room, and it was a motel because we enjoy motels. You don't have to lug things through a, a large hotel and that kind of thing and for the dog. And so um, at the end, we always mention Dave, always that um, it will be, I will be accompanied by my guide dog, Mr. Fig. Well, then the manager uh, went on to say, well, we don't accept pets. And we spent a good 10 minutes explaining that it is not a pet, it's licensed, it's trained, um, it's a guide dog, and the guide dog goes wherever I go. And when we saw we were not going to get anywhere, we said, okay, then we're going to take our business elsewhere. And uh, as he, we finished saying that, he says, well, my wife has allergies. Well, that prickled my big toe. And uh, 
so we made other arrangement elsewhere that absolutely no issues whatsoever. So the whole thing, Dave, it's a, it's around, um, yeah, access, but it's it's around education. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, the island. You probably been there. Uh, you know, uh, during your life, that's their their bread and butter is tourism. And you know, they had a promotion this summer together tourism which you know meant that they were welcoming they were inclusive uh no they were not inclusive and uh after doing a bit of research on their site they do have a human rights uh act of 1974 and uh it says in that act that you know, if you are a restaurant or if you are, um, you know, hotel, motel, you serve the public, guide dogs are allowed in. The, they actually specify in their act that the guide dog's not allowed in the public kitchen, but that's fine. You know, I'm not going to bring Mr. Fig there. So the whole thing was like, this is 2022. This is really archaic, you know. Yeah, it, it might be archaic, but it is far too common. Guide dog handlers will tell you this happens yeah. quite frequently. So after this conversation, after the denial of access mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. guide dog, you did choose to escalate this incident. So what's that process like? Who do you address that to? Well, I did a bit of research on the website, and I decided to send a letter. I took my good you know, I took a week to compose the letter and I sent it to the Minister of uh, Tourism and the Minister of Lifelong Learning and a CC to the motel. Uh, they were very quick in responding to my letter. I had three objectives in my letter. Uh, one was to educate the manager's uh, people and and two was that if his wife has allergies to um, pets or guide dogs or whatnot, maybe they're in the wrong business uh, at all. And one of the reasons why we do um, say to people uh, that when we do book in a hotel motel is some hotels, I don't know if you've noticed this, but some have sectioned off a few rooms or a total section for people that do have serious, serious allergies. And they even do that on planes now. So we want to make sure that, you know, we're not next to a room that somebody does have severe allergies. So And the third um, is that the manager becomes aware of the Human Rights Act of uh, Prince Edward Island. Mm -hmm. They responded, Dave, within hours of my letter. Uh, The individual, uh, it's the director of uh, Strategies Initiative Tourism of PEI that I'm in contact with. They even offered a telephone conversation, which I have taken. Um, 
and I we were supposed to have it last week, but <clears throat> as you know, tropical storm and the mm-hmm. entire mm-hmm. island was out of power and internet. So I did write back and I said, look, I'm happy to wait a week, uh, but this needs to be addressed on the phone. And my reason for that is I want to know how it's going to unfold to educate this particular manager, but what are their strategies for hospitality, tourism, uh, training for the island? Like, how do they do it? You know, is it a video? Is it uh, a pamphlet? Is it, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? It's so, Louise, you've used the word education a couple times here, awareness as well. So mm-hmm. as you think about, I mean, you want the update, right? But if you were in charge, yeah. I've made you the premier of PEI. What would you like to see changed going forward on PEI? I would like to see more accessibility, whether it's physical, attitude, um, you know, um, I now in in our journey to to our trip, I must say we did not have any other issues uh, than that one. Uh, but people did not know how to interact with me because I had a dog. And so I, th- there needs to be a wider scope of um, Awareness, like you said, but, uh, you know, what is it like in their tourist, you know, serving the public? They need to to know more about serving people with different needs, not necessarily just guide dogs, Mm -hmm. different needs. Like, you know, there are some buildings that you people have wheelchairs and they can't get into it because there's no elevators, um, you know, that's that's one example that we saw, but there needs to be a bigger scope of yeah, education. I, I agree with you, Louise, but sometimes that bigger scope is just too much for people to process. So if I was going to stay mm-hmm. inside the realm of this issue of guide dog access, you know, we just yeah. came out of, of September being Guide Dog Access Awareness Month. And yes. there were a lot of campaigns going on about guide dogs and their handlers. And I think to a certain degree, we've communicated, don't touch a service dog. Don't bother a service dog mm-hmm. while they're working. Mm-hmm. I know you've worked really hard on that, Louise. But I, like just in your life, I know you've worked really hard on that. The thing I would like to see, and I'm not going to mention the organization by name, but they recently started their own guide dog program and paid for a big national campaign that featured Ben Mulroney playing with cute puppies saying, we need money in puppy walkers. You know where I yeah. think would be a yeah, much yeah, better yeah, use yeah. of that resource? Let's actually take those 30 seconds and be like, here are the do's and don'ts of guide dogs. And here are your legal Absolute. responsibilities in regards to yeah. letting guide dogs into your businesses. Point final, yeah. period. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 110 fold and, and, you know, more education about the harness, like uh, the other episode, they're looking for tags and, uh, you know, there needs to be a lot more awareness on guide dogs. Yeah. I think the serious conversation rather than the, cute puppies right like we all love puppies never mind the puppies they are cute yeah no one objects to cute puppies but i think if we're going to have that platform and use that platform there needs to be some actual built-in advocacy louise what do you say you want to move on to something a little more fun here 
Yeah, let's move on to <laughs> a uh, a bill. Yeah, well, let, let me do it. Let me set let me set it up for you because you're okay. always because you're always buying interesting things and sharing your experience <laughs> with these things. I think maybe you have a little bit of a retail therapy problem, if I'm being honest. But you recently <laughs> got a surge. <laughs> you got a surge protector. It's called the Spin power surge protector by bell and howell and this one isn't just like your regular power bar what makes it different well it's shaped like a a tower it's you know it it's large at the bottom and it goes up it thins out but what this is so unique and when i saw it i thought i have to have one you can plug in eight different usb uh ports uh and then it has I think it's 12 different other items you can plug in. Like I have my toaster, my coffee machine, my blender, my chopper. Um, I have all kinds of different things plugged in. And for your uh, items that need like... um, your iPhone and uh, iPad and all of those electronics, uh, Apple Watch or whatever, then it charges faster. So if you only have like sometimes 10 minutes, you'll get at least at least a half hour more charge. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and and it's protected from uh, electric surges. So it, nothing will... Um, be damaged or whatever. And there is on mine a little stand on the top for, um, oh, what do you call it, your iPhone or your iPad. And on the uh, tower itself, there's an off and on button. But what is cool, Dave, is you turn the top and that's the cord to plug into the socket comes out. Oh, interesting. it's got seven feet. Now, I don't use the seven feet. And if you want to unplug it totally, um, you just turn the top the other way and the big cord goes inside. So it doesn't take a lot of room. It's in a corner in the kitchen and I just plug in everything. So you can leave your wires for your um, electronic to to be charged, right? So you're walking by, oh, I better charge my watch. Oh, I better watch my, uh, charge my iPhone. So yeah, it's, it's a, and it's sold um, online on different places, um, Canadian Tire, uh, Walmart online, and they range from $37 to $60. Um, and the shopping channel, of course, my favorite place, you know, <laughs> shopping therapy, shopping yeah. therapy, Dave. A little retail therapy. We, we all, we all spend a little time on a retailer named after a giant river from time to time when it's uh, making ourselves feel better yeah louise i can really see how something like this as a verticality as a space saver is something that would be really convenient and not necessarily an accessibility tool but something that certainly offers a user experience for someone who doesn't yes. want to be unplugging and replugging a million things yes as, that's, that was my issue yeah I, I can see that sort of again not an accessibility thing but a design thing that has an accessibility application yeah right I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Louise, we always appreciate you stopping by. Thank you for sharing a heavy story as well as a fun story with us. And uh, we'll talk to you again down the road in a couple weeks. All right. Take care, Dave. That is Louise Levesque Burley, community reporter in Moncton, New Brunswick. You can find out more about these stories on our blog, ami.ca slash now, ami.ca slash now. 
kind of curious where you land on the retail therapy thing. It always doesn't need to be a, a big purchase, right? It can be a couple bucks here, a couple bucks there, a bag of candy, a fun charger, something for your phone, a phone case for a few bucks. It's fun. You can really dive into these things and then the algorithms get to know you a little bit better. So are you someone who indulges in retail therapy? Let us know. You can find us by tracking us down on social media at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. You can send us emails, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or give us a ring ding ding, one 509 4545, 1-866-509-4545. Coming up after the break, I've got the regional news update. Brock Richardson will be here for a sports chat, and Mike Ross has your national weather update. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Tuesday, October the 4th, 2022. Coming up in this hour of the show, Nelson Rago. He'll tell you all about a pair of assistant glasses that are designed specifically for people who are blind and partially sighted. Goodness gracious, we talk a lot about smart glasses. I wonder what sets these ones apart. A frame above, if you will. And then we wrap up the show when I put Karen McGee, Andy Frank, and Mike Ross to the test in another edition of the Weekly News Quiz. But before we do any of that, and before we talk to Brock Richardson, I have the regional news update. Beginning in British Columbia, where scientists have developed a new cryogenic freezing technique to save disappearing kelp forests that are threatened by climate change. The world will face shoreline emissions, a decline in water quality, and a salmon depopulation. Uh, because we actually benefit a lot from the existence of kelp forests. Um, uh, they support, uh, they, provide, they, they promote fisheries output by supporting the development of salmon populations and other economically important fish. The kelp forests can provide food and shelter for thousands of marine species while also absorbing carbon from the atmosphere. Let's jump over to the prairies and talk a little bit about politics. United Conservative Party leadership candidate Danielle Smith says she would not call an early election if she wins this week's vote. The projected frontrunner says early elections create unnecessary scrutiny. I think that when early election calls occur, the public is suspicious. They, they think that there's there's some advantage that the person is trying to gain. And I think we've seen that oftentimes when you hold an early election, it happened at the federal level and at the provincial level, you either lose or lose ground or end up getting a, re a reduced majority. Smith says she would wait until the next scheduled election in May of 2023, which if you really think about it is not that far away. We're in October of 2022. That's one, two, three, four. I lost count, but it's it's close. It's close. It's May 2023 is right around the corner. Let's head over to Ontario where lawyers representing sex workers will argue existing prostitution laws violate the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms at the Ontario Superior Court. Emily Javesky looks ahead. The Canadian Alliance for Sex Work Law Reform says the current laws are fostering stigma, inviting targeted violence and removing safe consent. 
Lawyers representing transgender, indigenous and black sex workers are expected to argue today how laws brought in by the Harper-era conservatives are too restrictive and disproportionately harm marginalized groups. The Supreme Court of Canada struck down the prohibition on prostitution in 2013. Advocates say the new laws are more restrictive than what they replaced and continue to criminalize sex work. Emily Joveski, The Canadian Press, Toronto. And finally over to the Atlantic where we're still looking at the aftermath of Hurricane Fiona. A spokesperson for Maritime Electric says most of Prince Edward Island should have power back by this Sunday. Kim Griffin says crews will focus on getting specific communities and neighborhoods hooked up and then we'll move on to roughly 10,000 individual customers without power. There still may be some smaller pockets of individual outages or reasons that we can't get to them, but we're going to take over 200 and some crews and redeploy them to these individual outages. As of Monday evening, there were still 16,000 customers without power due to Fiona on Prince Edward Island. Just a reminder, that hurricane hit PEI not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. We're, we're at 10 days. You'd think we live in a first world country. By the way, uh, the folks who run PEI's power grid, that's a private company. That's not the government. So, you know, the super efficient private companies always doing great work in infrastructure. My lawyer's on line two. Let's bring in Brock Richardson for a sports chat. boy, Brock. We got lots to talk about in the world of sports today. Let's begin in baseball. You said you've got a stat about pitching for me. What you got? Well, no, it's it's more of a question. A because pitching I was out question for, for me. Okay. I was out for dinner yesterday with a good friend of mine who asked me the following question. He said, with Jose Barrios and his struggles, would you consider starting Ross Stripling instead of Jose Barrios? And my gut reaction was absolutely not. And then he he kind of said, yeah, but every time he's gone to the mound lately, it's been a struggle. And as we had the conversation, I kind of started to think, well, maybe because Ross Stripling without him, well, we don't know where we'd be. So would you consider starting Ross Stripling? I think we all agree that Manoa will start game one. But would you consider starting Ross Stripling in replace of Jose Barrios, who happened to have a really good uh, start yesterday. I would argue that Russ Stripling has been the second best pitcher on the Jays throughout the year. So you have to consider going that route. In fact, I would, I would most assuredly go that route. And, and all things being equal, if Barrios ends up being your game three in the must in the must win game pitcher, that's probably something that again, there's a lot of pressure there, but at least he's a veteran, at least he's a veteran arm as opposed to Stripling, who's really been a bit of a one-season wonder. So I would I would be more likely to put Manoa, Stripling, and then Berrios as my three. Yeah, yeah. And then, and again, my, my gut reaction initially was, like I said, absolutely not, because Berrios, based on track record, you would put him, you know, over a longer period of time, you would put him in this spot. But as I said, where would we be without Ross Stripling? We probably wouldn't be you know, clinching home field in this oh, situation. Yeah. Uh, we, we would probably be the third wild card spot at best uh, with the, with the Imani's pitch. So for me, yeah, I would, I would put that, I would give Alec Manoa the start. I would almost change my thought process 
if uh, the Blue Jays won, maybe maybe then I would throw you know uh, Jose Barrios out there and then see because it's it's not a winner go home kind of mm-hmm, game mm-hmm. and and in that way. But it's that's why managers get paid the big bucks and we get to sit here on live TV and podcast and discuss what we would do. But yeah, there's lots of, uh, lots of questions yeah, as I, to what to do. I wasn't quite ready for that question. I think if I had a little more time to prep, I would have definitely looked at their home road splits, whether who's performing better at home, because now we know the blue Jays get all three of these games at home. I would also obviously look at what their performance has been like versus Tampa versus Seattle. That would also be, that would also be a matter of comparison for me as well. But in this moment as purely in a vacuum, Brock, I'm putting stripling in there in game two and letting Barrios be our, be our guy in game three. If I, if we need to go that far, if I'm the uh, Toronto blue Jays. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the other person that I want to shout out is uh, Whit Merrifield. Like, that guy has been on absolute tear hitting the ball. He is the bottom of the order. Whit Merrifield, uh, Danny Jensen, needs to continue to do that in the playoffs Mm. because if you can turn that lineup over with runners on base, man, it's looking looking pretty good. And and I believe that home field advantage uh, is a good thing. I do believe we are going to end up playing Seattle. It's not necessarily official official at this point, but it looking that way. And I would much rather play Seattle given that we got uh, beat by them when we were in Seattle and it's a long flight. I'd rather them do the flight yeah. than the Toronto blue Jays. So in that case, uh, very good. I think the blue Jays took care of the business they needed to. And uh, as we get more of the matchups that will be confirmed, we will move off of the Blue Jays for a little bit, even though we're yeah. a national show. We're going to talk about some of the other yeah. series. Some of those can be intriguing as well. For sure. We'll, we'll, with the playoffs get started on Friday, and we know for sure the Jays will be hosting a home game on Friday. That we know. We don't know who they'll be hosting, but we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Brock, let's get to a couple other baseball notes here. Tony La Russa of the Chicago White Sox uh, officially retired yesterday due to some health issues. Yes, he did. So it was announced uh, late last week that he would not return. And then he announced yesterday that he would be uh, retiring due to some health issues and some health procedures that are not disclosed as to what he was doing. But I'm not surprised in this news. I think that um, he's had a great career and done great things. And, you know, I think of him as a as a cardinal manager, uh, first and foremost. But, uh, yeah, he's been some good stuff. I saw some pretty suspicious stuff with the uh, Chicago White Sox falling asleep in the first inning of a of a game. I do understand he's seven, 77 years old. But eh, if you look over on a bench and you say your manager's asleep, maybe it's time to retire. And yeah, it, we, we, it's, it's been a long time since he was uh, a great manager with the Oakland A's or eventually uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. I actually think he set that franchise back, if I'm being totally frank with you, Brock. That was a young, exciting team, and he really brought some old man stodgy baseball into it, and that team really suffered the last couple of years and did not meet expectations. So I think this is probably a mutually beneficial stepping away. The White Sox can go try and find someone a little more, uh, let's call them youthful or imaginative in the way that they coach baseball, and uh, La Russa can continue to be a multi-time world series champion and uh, have his name on video games and all kinds of good stuff like that. Uh, but certainly uh, wish, wishing him well, wishing him well on his, on his next, uh, his next journey. Uh, Brock, let me give you a quick thought here on Albert Pujols. We've talked about him reaching the 700 home run mark. He hit another one last night playing for the St. Louis Cardinals in Bush stadium. 
and that put him second all-time on the RBI list. He passed Babe Ruth. This Albert Pujols, pretty good at baseball. <laughs> pretty good at baseball indeed, and I uh, saw that this morning as well. Just He's one of those names that grew up watching and, you know, like, Still can't believe at his age he's still able to be as productive as he is. You know, it looks like the Cardinals are gonna are gonna make the playoffs and 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 do good things. And and who doesn't like seeing a little bit extra Albert Pujols? And that team is one of those teams that's intriguing uh, to 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 see what they can do. And and I'm big supporter of Albert Pujols. Yeah, so love it, love it, it. It's made the Cardinals a real feel good story in the national league. We don't talk a lot about the national league on this show, but that Cardinals team, they might not have the best pitching, but man, oh man, do I like the hitters in that lineup? I'm Goldschmidt, here. Arenado. Oh man. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm, he- I'm here to tell you that when these playoffs get going, we're not just going to give the love to the Toronto blue Jays. Of course, we're going to, Focus on them because we are a national show, but we are going to give some love to some of the other series because there are some intriguing series as well. So be a good time when the playoffs get rolling. Brock, this next one can get a little bit convoluted from the hockey world, but there's been some more financial disclosures or investigations of some of the sexual assault scandals coming out of Hockey Canada. Yes. So yesterday it was released that there was yet another uh, Hockey Canada fund to help pay for sexual assault claims. The original fund previously discussed on this program is called the National Equality Fund, and they've now uh, found another one uh, that that the original fund has given some money to, and this one's called the Legacy Trust Fund, the new one. And so, again, the uh, sports minister has, has gone on record saying there needs to be change. Hockey Canada is throwing it back at her, saying there needs to be change with you as well again. Like, there just seems to be this ongoing, you know, pass it back and forth situation. There's lots of money being put in places that are questionable for Hockey Canada. I, I Hockey, my thing is this. Hockey Canada, given the microscope that they're under, everyone's going to find any little thing that's going to put yet another black mark on Hockey Canada. So there isn't anything they can do appropriately because people are just going to con- continue to dig things up. Th- this fund is not good. I'm not trying to say that this is, you know, this is a good thing at all, but Hockey Canada is in such a bad spot that any little thing that they do wrong is going to be in the media. And this is another story where this holds true yet again. Brock, we spent months talking about Albert Pujols and uh, Aaron Judge chasing home run records. Well, of course, there's a hockey record that is at stake in the next couple of years, and that's Wayne Gretzky's goal stat. We know Alexander Ovechkin is hunting that one down, but if you or I started today, it would get a little more complex. Yes, you would have to score 50 goals for 18 straight seasons. Uh, Wayne Gretzky... His uh, goal total, for those that don't know, is 894, which would mean, again, you would have to 18 straight seasons of 50 goals. And a lot of players don't make it as long as 20 years. You know, you start hearing retirement uh, talk, you know, within the 15 to 20 year range. And so to do it 20 years and as you get there, towards the 20 years, sometimes you see a decline. So this is a steep, steep battle to get. I'm not sure that Ovechkin will actually get there. I'll be interested to oh, see what you think. Oh, he's getting there. He's getting there. 
You think so? Oh yeah. Yeah. I would love to see it. I, because it was one of the records that everyone said when I was growing up, no one will ever break it. And He's close, but uh, we'll see. No one's ever going to catch Gretzky's 2,000, the 2,000-point the, the mark. No one's ever going to do that ever again, not even Connor McDavid. But I, I, I think Ovechkin's got him. I think Ovechkin's going to hang around. That, that body seems to be getting better. I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know how in his late thirties he's getting stronger and I'm getting weaker. Maybe he's sapping my energy. That must be it. He's just borrowing the energy that I'm leaving, uh, not getting my fitness in. Brock, we talked really extensively about the concussion situation around Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa yesterday. Give me the quick news update on this one. So I don't think this is gonna come as any surprise. He will miss the game this week against the New York Jets, and he will continue under concussion protocol. Right now, they're just saying it's going to be this week's game. I would suspect uh, that uh, we it's it's going to be longer than that, um, but we'll see. Right now, they're going week by week on this, and we'll see what happens. For the next eight weeks, the Dolphins have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL, so I don't think they're going to be inclined to rush him too quickly because uh, they've already taken a boatload of bad press for good reason in regards to the way that he was treated by the medical staff as well as the independent NFL, PA, and NFL investigators. Brock, let's skip Monday Night Football because the game stunk. Just tell me what's coming up on the neutral zone today at 11 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. So we had a really great conversation with uh, Luca DeMontis from the uh, Canadian Blind Hockey Organization. Plus, then we went really in-depth on Tuatunga Viola as uh, one of my co-hosts, Josh Watson, is a big fan of the Miami Dolphins. We uh, spent about 20 minutes on that discussion, so that's going to be a really good one. And then we spoke about the Toronto Blue Jays, so lots of really great conversations coming up later this morning on AMI-audio and then YouTube. Yeah, 11 a.m. on AMI-audio, and then Neutral Zone makes its way to a YouTube a little bit, either later in the day or early tomorrow. Just to find AMI's YouTube page, and you can find all kinds of our great podcasts that are going up in video form, including The Pulse with our friend Joita Gupta. Hey, Brock, thanks for this, buddy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you. That's Brock Richardson. He is the host of The Neutral Zone. Mike Ross is here, filling in for Alex Smythe. He has the National Weather Update. Thank you, Dave. Time for your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We'll begin in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, where it'll be sunny with a high of 14. Charlottetown, PEI, sunshine there and a high of 16 degrees. St. John, New Brunswick has a mix of sun and cloud right through the afternoon with a high of 19. It'll be mainly sunny in Quebec City today with a high of 16. Toronto, mainly sunny with a high of 18. Up to Sault Ste. Marie, where it'll be mainly cloudy today with a high of 21. Brandon, Manitoba, mainly sunny with a high of 20 degrees. Regina, mainly sunny, your high, 22. Into Alberta, Lethbridge, sunshine and a high of 25. Red Deer, sunny and a high of 22. Whitehorse, Yukon, has a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 12. There'll be a wind chill this morning, though, of minus 3. Kelowna, a mix of sun and cloud in the afternoon and a high of 25. And Vancouver sees a mix of sun and cloud today, a high of 24 degrees and a humid X of 27. 
And that was your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you so much for this, Mike. We'll talk to you a little bit later in the hour as part of the news quiz. We're turning the tables. Mike was the quiz master for ever so long, and I was the helpless contestant. I will now repay the favor, courtesy of questions written by Paul Daniel. Coming up next, Nelson Rago will tell you all about a pair of assistant glasses that are specifically designed for people who are blind or partially sighted. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's head into Edmonton, Alberta to catch up with the founder of Cool Blind Tech, Nelson Rago. Hey, good morning, Nelson. Hey, good morning, Dave. So, Nelson, we oftentimes find ourselves talking about smart glasses or assistant glasses. Well, there's a, a new set here created by Milis Yokep, a 25-year-old Turkish software developed. Now, these glasses are specifically designed for people who are from the blind or low vision community. So what makes these assistant glasses so unique compared to so many others that we've talked about? Uh, well, I mean, aside from uh, uh, this coming from Turkey, well, we don't talk too much about uh, yeah. technology coming from uh, Turkey. Also, but, uh, my, my mistake, because now we're supposed to say Turkey, not Turkey. So that's my fault. I should have gotten that right. Oh, is it Turkey? Yeah, okay. it's the same thing with instead of the Czech Republic, we're supposed to say the Czechia. So, oh my goodness! Yeah, Someone's got to send me a memo. Yeah, the world the world changes, man. The world changes. So I messed that up on my end too. But yes, we don't oftentimes talk about Turkey on the show. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, aside from that, um, uh, these these are uh, of course uh, with many of these uh, type of glasses have a camera mounted on top. Uh, this one's integrated with a headset. And uh, all of that is connected to a, uh, um, a wearable computer system, uh, which allows the, uh, the user to identify uh, people and objects around them. So what are some of the special features here? I think, we again, we understand the idea of a mounted, a mounted camera hooked up to yep. a computer system. So what are the features here? Uh, a couple features uh, that I mentioned, um, for example, say, uh, uh, like myself, I lose my keys all the time. Um, so let, let's say um, uh, you want to, verbally say you're looking for your keys, uh, it'll actually uh, try to identify the, the keys that are around you. So you'll just have to say once and then the, the camera system, um, depending on what direction you're looking at, uh, will attempt to identify where it's uh, located. So if you have a rough idea where it might be, like probably in the couch somewhere, or on the table somewhere, <laughs> or usually somewhere obvious, um, it'll identify that. And it'll even identify uh, um, uh, people themselves uh, by name. So I assume that it had to be pre-programmed, of course, like other technologies, um, as well as uh, identifying colors. So if you you want to know the, the color of an object, uh, you can it'll tell you the uh, the color of, an, of the object uh, audibly through the headset. Nelson, the amount of money that I would pay to wear a pair of glasses that would <laughs> recognize somebody's face and tell me their yeah. name in my ears, like if it's somebody yeah. that I already know whose name yeah. I've forgotten because I forget everybody's name. Yeah. My goodness, Nelson, I would spend my life savings on a pair of glasses like that. Yeah, e even instances uh, where um, when I was losing my eyesight, uh, I would walk along the, the street and, and uh, people didn't realize that I was losing my eyesight. So they would uh, yell out to me and I wouldn't recognize who it is. And then, uh, you know, they'd say like, oh, Nelson's such a snob. <laughs> well, but I mean, uh, that, that might be true. But two things can be true at once. You were losing your sight and a bit of a snob. 
I probably was, <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, they, uh, I, I lost my eyesight pretty uh, quick. So uh, a lot of my friends didn't realize uh, until later on that uh, I went from fully sighted to totally blind. But uh, um, but yeah, I would love a set of these glasses that could kind of identify that. Uh, um, it'd be kind of cool to yeah. have. So. Always yeah, because I'm bad with faces myself. Yeah, always a good social reminder and etiquette. If you know your friend is blind or low vision, introduce yourself when you start talking to them. They'll really appreciate it, or slash will really yes. appreciate it. That's a we, not a they. Uh, Nelson, what are the next steps for this developer? Now that he has the design down, where does he want to go with this? Well, it's actually a, it's actually a lady. Uh, oh, pardon me? Um, so uh, it's a female. No, no, I'm saying it's, pardon it's, uh, me. Pardon me for for misgendering. Uh, oh, Melis yeah. Melis Yokup. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so in, in this case, um, they, they are, have, they, they have six prototypes, I believe that are out and, uh, they have a pilot project, um, uh, that they're running in Rhode Island, uh, veterans, uh, hospital. Uh, so they're, they're they have it utilized there. So, which is kind of cool considering this technology is coming from, uh, um, uh, Turkey and, uh, and they're utilizing it in the U S so. Um, and we're not too far away from there. So a lot of this technology is all around us. We just need to uh, sort of uh, get it on the shelves. Uh, that's the main thing. Uh, we're seeing a lot of these prototypes, a lot of these developers uh, putting these ideas out there that we just need, um, you know, people with uh, deep pockets, investors to uh, take uh, accessibility seriously and, and uh, let us give us uh, access to uh, glasses that are, you know, are more affordable because technology like this is already out there. But, you know, you as, you as as well as I know, it's very expensive. Yeah, quite, quite pricey for a lot of these smart glasses. There's there's no doubt about that. Nelson, yep. let's jump into your tech tip. Now, this is one that I think a lot of people might appreciate. It's how to block an unknown call on the iPhone. I personally, I don't want to block these online, uh, unknown calls. What if it's a booty call? What if some what if some strange is looking for me <laughs> late at night? I, I don't want to be limiting my options here. But for people who do want to limit their options and don't want some of those late night calls, uh, what can they do to go ahead and block unknown known callers yeah <laughs> so for married people uh, you probably want uh, not to do the uh, the booty call thing um uh so in this case and, and this may be why people think i'm a snob because i'm i'm, I'm blocking unknown callers <laughs> uh so uh you can do it uh, by the recent calls. so if you're getting those robocalls or just those annoying uh telemarketing calls uh, you, you basically uh, uh from a voiceover perspective uh in my case, I would go to re I'd go to phone and then recents uh, tab under phone and then find that number. And uh, in my case, I would uh, swipe up, um, tap on info, um, and I believe uh, a side person just tap on the the eye. I think it shows, and then uh, you scroll all the way down um, to where it says block, uh, and then you won't get any more uh, notifications that someone's called you. Uh, it will go to voicemail so they, they can't actually leave a message if uh, they choose to and it does show up in your recent calls uh, but you won't actually hear the call uh, coming in as it's uh, you know uh, when they're calling but Nelson what if I want to hear the you've won a cruise well, you have to wait. You have to wait for them to leave a voicemail. It, it, it just makes me feel more welcome and wanted in this world when the telemarketers reach out to me. Nelson, thank you for this. We appreciate it. Great. Take care. That's Nelson Rago of Cool Blind Tech. Coming up after the break, we'll talk about what happens when a company redesigns their app and it stinks. I'm going to air some dirty laundry with Ramya and Nizreen after the break. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's air some dirty laundry with Ramya Amuthan and Nizreen Abdel-Majid. Hey, good morning, Nizreen. Good morning. And good morning, Ramya. Good morning. I don't mean to imply that you guys are going to air your dirty laundry. I'm going to air my dirty <laughs> laundry and then try to get emotional support from you too. So... I use the Hotels.com app. I know. I'm ever so fancy when I'm booking my travel. They did an update last week, y'all, and the new app is absolutely awful. It's super buggy, gets thrown off by my accessibility settings on my phone. Nisreen, how annoyed do you get when an app you love gets a total overhaul? I get super annoyed, and that happens so often that it's just replaceable. So I find another app. And I'm like, you're replaceable. If you glitch, if you if you freeze up, you're. Um, I don't have the patience enough to go through this app all the time and and deal with that uh, with those glitches that are unaccessible, right? Yeah. So you find another one. In in this case, Nazreen, I think I've even for the most part managed to solve the accessibility side. I just need to reduce my text size when I'm in the app, but like that's super annoying because I like having a large mm-hmm. text. You know, like it's it's it just it bugs me that I have to do that, but it's even things like pictures aren't loading, descriptions yeah. aren't loading. So it's not just that they designed the app from like poorly from an accessibility point of view. It looks like they probably spent millions of dollars for an app that's worse. You know, like, oh, it looks so modern. It doesn't work. It's not usable. It stinks. I, I may have to start booking hotels with a different app. Like all these, all these years that I've spent building my reputation as a Hotels.com uh, platinum member, I may have to go somewhere else. I may have to start You were booking. loyal. Oh, I was very loyal because every 10 nights <laughs> I would book, I would get a free room. So I need to look. I need to see how many reward nights I have in there right now or like what's actually how far along I'm in my next progression because maybe I'll just say goodbye to him. Just like this, goodbye so long, I'll see you in the summer. Ramya, before I go too far off the cliff, uh, <laughs> what about you? How do you feel when an app you like gets a total overhaul? Yeah, it's pretty annoying, especially if this is the only app that you've used for this purpose for so long. I mean, sometimes I envy our tech contributors all over the shows because they're always trying. They've they've got their fingers mm, in everything, mm. right? So they're like, okay, uh, you know, I'm not really loving Zero anymore, so I'm going to move on to this other thing. But um, for me, like, I love sticking with what I know and sticking with what I know voiceover is great for because I use an iPhone. And then if something changes, whether it be the update of our software or, you know, developers catching up or just like you're saying, an overhaul of the app, then I get so frustrated, Dave. And, and, and it takes me forever to move on to the next app too. So I'm just wasting my time out here. So as as we think about this, right, again, again, I'm talking about an app where really there's there's a commercial relationship. Like this is a place where I oftentimes input my credit card number to make purchases. Right. I feel like I am going to be dissuaded from using this app. Like unless I'm so far along and mm-hmm. so close to, to another free night, I'm probably going to stop using this app because I find it annoying to use. Do you think that something like that will dissuade you from using the app, Ramya? Like dissuade you from actually giving them your money to use that app as yeah. a platform? Yeah, 100%. If there's an accessibility barrier to the point where I really can't find ease in using this app anymore and because it, like I can't navigate it or I can't understand it or I can't utilize it for what I was using it for. I mean, the whole point is it's supposed to make life convenient, right? And then if that option is no longer there for me, I will, even if I haven't found another app to replace it, I will have moved on mm. from this service. Nizreen, what about you? Absolutely. 
irreplaceable. Like I said in the beginning, if if you frustrate me so much for uh, with these glitches and uh, accessibility options that are poor, um, I move on to the next one. I hate wasting my time too much on an app that um, frustrates me mm. it, it, usually. So I find another app that's you know similar, ha has similar features, and maybe that's even better. But I do tend to try to go back to this app because uh, that happened to me before. So I do tend to try to go back to this app, you know, once a week, once every other week, try to be like, okay, did they fix these options? Yeah, yeah, did yeah. Did they fix these glitches? So like like you said, I'm pretty loyal too. So I am weak. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. It's a terrible Al Pacino impression on my end. Let's move to some other positive news. Well, positive, depending on your perspective. In the case of my waistline, maybe not so much. McDonald's Monopoly starts today, gang. I can tell you a couple times over the years, I've gotten pretty darn addicted to the McDonald's Monopoly because I like me some coffee, I like me some Big Macs, and I like me winning stuff, even though I've rarely won anything. Ramya, can a promotion change your buying habits? If there's a neat promotion, maybe a little bit of gambling involved, is that going to get you to change your buying habits, get your coffee somewhere else in the morning? Nah, unfortunately for me or for them, um, the promotion stuff is only works with me if I'm already interested. So, you know, I'm a Starbucks person. Mm -hmm, so if mm -hmm. Starbucks was doing something awesome, I'd be all over it. But if Timmy's is doing, what does Timmy's do? Roll up the rim to win. Roll up the rim to win. There you go. You see, I couldn't even think of it um, because Roll Up the Room is like so huge. And I hear everybody talking about it when it's in season. But I I just don't go to buy a Timmy's coffee or tea simply because it's Roll Up the Room time. That's fair. That's reasonable. And now, and now that you can't actually roll the rim anymore because of COVID, it's all in an app now. It, yeah. it, it takes the fun out of it. At least okay, the at least the McDonald's pieces, I'm still peeling them off and sticking them on my little board. And That and, is fun. Yeah, you know, it, it's definitely fun, even though I don't win. I was so close to winning a million dollars last year. I just needed, wow. like, three pieces, you know? Let they get you back. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Nazreen, what about you? Oh, I'm a sucker. I do go for the coffee all the time just to get those stickers and put them on the board. And um, I I have, uh, what, what's the word, hope that I win, <laughs> even though it, I never win. I just get fries, which I get excited about. You oh, know, yeah. When those, oh, yeah. When those little little wins count. So I do get excited about those. So I, I go for the coffee all the time. I go for the not so much of the meals, but um, it does motivate me to buy from those places more. Like you said, roll up the rim when it was back from uh, on the cup, when you actually physically rolled it up, that was more motivating to buy the, we were so addicted as the family, like we would get <laughs> full on cups and just divide them between each other and roll them up together. That's the type of family we are. Um, it's sad. Um, it's it's pretty sad. But yeah, it's bonding. <laughs> yeah, it is bonding. It's a family bonding. activity. I you know I can get caught up in enthusiasm. For example, the the Lotto Max tonight is seventy mil. I think I'm gonna buy a ticket on the way home. Seventy million. That's some like walk away money. That's Man, like if you're I don't. An optimist. Well, that if seventy million is if I don't like you, I'm never gonna talk to you ever again. Money, right? Oh, like boy. that is like that is. I will now officially have like a driver. Can you guys imagine as like as blind people like having your own driver, personal driver? Mm -hmm. Come on now. Yeah, that's, that's like cool. one of my number one fantasies. Yeah. 
That's my vision. <laughs> See, look at this exclusivity <laughs> across the board. Uh, I want to bring in Mike Ross on this one really quickly. Mike, we started talking s- snack foods and your ears perked up. So give me a quick take here on uh, whether or not a promotion is going to change your coffee buying habits in the morning. Yeah, not so much the coffee buying, but certainly the uh, the McDonald's one has sucked me in many times. The Monopoly, it's just I just I find it fun. And it is the, the one thing that I that I and it's not even so much do do I get an instant prize. The kick I get out of it is looking at the different uh, Canadian locales that I that I pull out and say, "Oh, I've been there. Oh, I've been there. How many places yeah, have I been nice. on the Monopoly board this year?" It's, it's fun to do. Look at this, a little bit of tourism and reflection and memory with Mike Ross. We started with <laughs> Hotels.com, and we finished with McDonald's and worked our way back to travel nonetheless. Hey, Mike, thank you for this one. Don't go too far, though, because you're back after the break for part of the news quiz. Nazreen, we're saying goodbye to you. Have a nice day. You too. And Ramya, just before you split, what's coming up on Kelly & Company at 2 p.m. this afternoon on AMI-audio? Yes. So we're talking to wellness contributor Frances Wong, and she's always bringing us these nice workouts to break down for us. <laughs> Frances, Maybe... Frances doesn't play Monopoly. <laughs> Frances doesn't play McDonald's Monopoly. No, no, she doesn't. She might play Pilates Monopoly if that's a thing, because that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Maybe Pilates Twister. But anyways, we're talking Pil- about... Pilatopoly? 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 Polister? Anyway, so it's... <laughs> We're talking about Pilates because uh, you might have heard of it, but maybe you're not sure exactly what it is. So she's going to talk about that and compare us to yoga. Uh, we're also talking to a representative, the president actually, from the Canadian Ophthalmological Society about academic success and how this correlates directly with good eye health. Um, we're also talking about sports teams. And if you're in school and you're in sports, take care of your eyes. So we'll talk about that. And we have woodworking with Jeff Thompson He's taking us through uh, installing wood flooring. He's also covering some affordable wood options for the floor. He says it's easy. We will find out really on the show. <laughs> uh, Rami, have you ever tried Pilates? Uh, no, but I've watched enough of it on YouTube and my friends. Back in my days of being a fitness mogul, the big-time fitness mogul, as you know, uh, my mm-hmm. gym used to offer free Pilates classes on Sundays. I used to go. It was incredible. It was like an incredible workout to do. Like After a week of like really heavy clanging and banging with weights, it was just a great way to spend a Sunday afternoon. Now, did you find it relaxing or still pretty much a workout? Uh, still very much a workout, just muscles that I wasn't typically getting firing off bench yes. presses all week. That's right. Yeah. Can you plank well? Uh, you, I, I used to be able to plank well. We currently are a uh, plankless life. I'm not a pirate. I no longer <laughs> okay. walk the plank. All right. Shiver me timbers, Ramya. Have a good Shiver afternoon. Shiver me timbers. Thank you. <laughs> you too. That's Ramya within the co-host of Kelly and Company, which comes your way at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Coming up after the break, it's weekly news quiz time. Karen McGee will be here. Andy Frank will be here. And Mike Ross steps in for Alex Smythe as I put him to the test. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown on AMI, a Tuesday edition of the show. We wrap it up in the last segment. You know what that means. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Now with Dave Brown is proud to present to you the weekly news quiz. 
putting a little performance on for our special guest today, Mike Ross, filling in for Alex Smythe in beautiful Ajax, Ontario. Good morning, Mike. Hello, Dave. And let's also say hello to Andy Frank, who's calling in from parts unknown, otherwise known as around the corner down the hall. It's great to be here, I think. <laughs> and Karen McGee is in the usual Andy Frank spot in Studio One in the mighty headquarters of AMI. Hello, Karen. Uh, do we have time after that intro? Time left for the quiz. And <laughs> Karen starts minus one. Minus <laughs> one starting for Karen. If this is your first time, let me explain the rules of the game. We have three rounds of questions and three questions per round. Each contest, each question comes with three multiple choice options. If you answer the question without hearing the options, you get two points. If you hear the options and get it right, you get one point. If you get it wrong, we move on until the point is awarded in the order. And questions were drawn up by Paul Daniel. So we begin with Karen McGee. Karen. What Canadian pharmaceutical, com pharmaceutical company announced it was being bought by the U.S.-based investment firm SK Capital? I will take the choices, please. Your choices are Oro Pharma Inc., Apotech, or Columbia Laboratories Canada. I'll go with B. That is correct. The terms of the deal were not disclosed. However, it is, however, it is known that Apotex has been in a difficult situation since the murder of its founder, Barry Sherman, in December of 2017. So that's one point for Karen here. I've got to, got to get my score sheet going up here in real time. We've got a K. High tech, man. Uh, very high tech. It's a Sharpie that I drew all over myself with last week by mistake because I'm still not a very competent human being. So one point for Karen McGee. There we go. And I already have ink all over myself. Uh, question number two, going to Mike. Mike, while thousands of men are fleeing Russia to avoid military service, Vladimir Putin granted Russian citizenship to which American who fled the U.S. in 2013? That would be Edward Snowden. That is correct. Two points for Mike Ross, the former National Security Agency contractor, leaked classified documents about U.S. surveillance programs. All right, heading over to Andy. Andy, last week, mysterious leaks from the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 underwater natural gas pipelines running under which body of water are suspected to be acts of sabotage? I'm going to go with the Baltic Sea. That is correct. Two points for Andy. The leaks were detected after three large underwater explosions registered last Monday at seismic stations in Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Finland. Let's head into round number two. The first question heading over to Mike. Mike, which planet made its closest approach to Earth since 1963, coming about 367 million miles from our planet? I'll need the options, please. Your options are Jupiter, Uranus, or Neptune. I'll go with Jupiter. That is correct. At its furthest point, Jupiter is about 600 million miles away from the Earth. Let's head over to Andy Frank. Andy, the Bank of England announced banknotes featuring King Charles would be replacing Queen Elizabeth in what year? The year is 2025. Oh, that's not what I have here. So, Karen, you get a crack at this. I'll take the choices then, please. So one of Andy's uh, numbers was on the choices, 2025, 2024, or 2022? 2024. That is correct. According to Paul's calculations, uh, the bank said that the king's 
Portraits will make their way onto banknotes by the end of 2022 and will be featured on front of all four polymer notes, including the 5, 10, 20, and 50. They will re-enter circulation by mid-2024, the Bank of England said in a statement. Okay. Uh, question number three of round number two going to Karen. Karen, which auto company is delaying truck shipments due to shortage of company logo templates to attach to the vehicles? Oh. I'll take the choices. Is it Tesla, Ford, or Dodge? I was going to go with Ford. Should have gone with my gut. That is correct. A shipment of Ford pickup trucks is waiting on the big blue Ford Oval to be attached to the front grids. <laughs> As we enter into round... Sorry. No. That's just ridiculous. They don't have enough logos? Well, send them out to people after with some crazy glue. Slap them on. We can't trust people with that kind of branding. How will they know you're driving a Ford F-150 <laughs> if you don't have your big Ford sign on it? Because you'll be the one passing all the other vehicles. I, I There is. There could be oh, something. Dear. Actually, you're going to be the one who's taking out the second and third mortgage to fill it up at the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just nice. bought a new Ford. Shh. Shh. Everyone, shh. Uh, after two rounds, we have a close game here. We have Karen with three points, Andy with two, and Mike with three as well, according to my calculations and our... Screen reflects that. That's good. That means my math is working. I couldn't explain the Nobel Physics Prize this morning, but I can explain basic arithmetic. I also know who the next question is going to. It's Andy Frank. Andy, Hilary Mantel, the award-winning British novelist, died last week at 70. Her Wolf Hall trilogy explored the life of which English statesman and advisor to King Henry VIII? Wow. I will need the options here. Is it Benjamin Disraeli, Thomas Beckett, or Thomas Cromwell? I'll go with Cromwell. That is correct. Even though Cromwell was a traitor, he was the son of a blacksmith and became one of 16th century England's most powerful men. Mentel's trilogy, which earned her two Booker Prizes, reimagined historical fiction as high literature. I don't know if it included the genocide of the Irish people that Cromwell was behind. But you know what? We'll leave that. We'll leave that aside. My lawyer has already received many, many calls about this show. Uh, Karen, coming to you for question number two of round number three. Which country's currency briefly fell last week to its weakest level against the U.S. dollar on record? There is a trend in today's questions. I'm going to say the British pound. That's correct. That's a two-pointer for Karen McGee taking a big-time lead here. Going into the last question, it touched, uh, it reached a record low against the dollars. Investors balked at a government plan to cut taxes and increase borrowing, specifically cutting taxes to the top earners in the country, because nothing will make people happy in times of austerity, like giving the rich people tax cuts, as I editorialize a little bit more. Let's bring in Mike Ross for question number three of round number three. Mike, you got to swing for the fences if you hope to tie up Karen here. So. Residents of which island nation legalized same-sex marriage after voting in favor of a family code that increases protection for minorities? Well, I was going to guess maybe Downton Abbey, Coronation Street, or <laughs> the Marmalade. Yeah, England, uh, England, is, a, England yeah. is an island, right? Yeah, uh, I'm going to say Cuba. <laughs> that is correct. Two points for Mike Ross. Holy smokes, we've got a tight one here. The measure passed with about 4 million votes in favor and 2 million against. So I know that 
people here are experienced in regards to the rules of the tie-breaking question. Mike, you engaged in these on the host side for a long, long time, but I want to make sure we're all on even footing here. So let me explain this. This is going to work. I'm going to read the entire question, and then I'm going to say the word done. And whoever barks out their name first gets first crack at it, and then if we need options, we'll figure that out as we go. Understood? Yes. Everybody cool? This is just Mike and Karen, right? Just Mike and Karen. Sorry, Andy. You're on You're on the outside looking in. You're OLI. Yeah, I, I figured as much. You're, I could do math. You're, you're OLI over here. So. <laughs> He's got a big Sharpie. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Let's jump into this question. What late night talk show host announced last week they were stepping down from their hosting duties? Karen McGee. Mike. I didn't say done oh, for either sorry, of you're you. Right, you're right. So now My I don't bad. know what to do. Do I give Andy the question straight up to go no, for a three-way you know tie? I jumped, I jumped first. Give it to Mike. Mike. Trevor Noah. <sighs> that is correct. That Even is I knew that one. Correct. My goodness. What? I, my impatience bit me in the butt again. So something that I've always observed about this quiz, because some folks are on Skype lines and some folks are getting sort of real-time communication on my microphone, there was always a little bit of unfairness in regards to the person who was in studio because of a lack of delay, because of a lack of latency. So just just know, uh, we're, we're deeply empathetic across the board here. Also, I could have barked out done faster if I'm you being totally have. self-critical, you which is have. important. Self-accountability matters. We will discuss matters. later. We definitely I- will. I just want to say Karen's a great sport because <laughs> she she was first uh, off the hop there. But I didn't but follow the far, rules. I, I, I broke I the rules. It. No, no, I broke the rules. It's my fault. So, I was wrong. So Trevor Noah announced last Thursday he was stepping down as the host of The Daily Show after seven years. He did not indicate the date of his last show. Uh, there's some stuff about James Corden here, but that's irrelevant because we're talking about Trevor Noah. I'm going to miss Trevor Noah. I think Trevor mm-hmm. Noah really Same. like inherited some big shoes to fill and did a phenomenal job. Karen, I heard you affirm there. I listen, I, he's taped every night, sometimes three times because my PVR acts up. Um, <laughs> I, I does that love mean you show. watch it three times or no, just watch no. it the one time? I make sure it's recorded properly the first time the other two are back up. I don't know why it does <laughs> you that. watch she watches it three times, but she only laughs twice. <laughs> yeah, the third time is all about quality control, just to make sure other yeah. things are working in the you background. Know, sometimes his jokes are over my head. I need to make sure I get them. <laughs> Mike, I also heard so, you affirm. Big fan of Trevor Noah over there. Huge. I mean, one of my favorite uh, Seinfeld uh, comedians uh, in cars having coffee or whatever whatever it's called uh, was with Trevor Noah. And, and his whole story of growing up in South Africa was it, it's just mind-blowing. So uh, I really found a whole new level of respect when I learned about him and his story uh, growing up and then coming to the U.S. And uh, it's it, just a different perspective. You, 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 you look at him and, and – and his analysis through a different lens once you know where he's from. So it's, he's, he's a really cool guy. And Andy, it sounded like you wanted to offer up a thought on Trevor Noah as well. I have three thoughts very quickly. Uh, if you want to ever get a great audiobook experience, listen to Trevor Noah's book. Uh, what is it called, Karen? Um, oh, I can it's, see the. Uh, co- oh, I just had it in my tongue. I know it. Sorry. I'm heading it's to the one that Mike. Blanking. Yeah, I can't believe I, I can't believe I'm blanking on it too. I can anyway, see it. Find it, find it. It's his, his autobiography about his childhood in South Africa. Number one, not not number two. not supposed to be born or something like that. Not yeah, yeah, something born like a that. Crime. Born, 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 born a crime. Born a crime. Born a crime. Yeah. Born a crime. Listen to that audiobook version if you want something fantastic. Ask Ramya about that too, by the way. Uh, the second one, his White House uh, press 
dinner mm. hosting was incredible. And third, uh, stand-up comedy must be very lucrative for certain people because apparently he's resigning to do nothing but stand-up comedy for a while. Um, must be pretty good when you get to that level in, in terms of a business deal. I, I often wondered, you know, like people like Bill Maher is always traveling around doing stand-up. Like, I think it's pretty lucrative for some certain people. Well, Jay Leno said, you know, that uh, that he never spent his Tonight Show money, that he lived off of his stand-up money. And people mm. were like, what? Well, why are you still doing stand-up? You, you host the Tonight Show. And he's like, yeah, but that, that's, that money's all put away. He mm-hmm. said, I live off the comedy money. So long as uh, Netflix is handing out $100 million stand-up comedy contracts, <laughs> too, that helps a lot as well. Yeah, Guys, yeah. there's one piece of bureaucracy we need to do here, and the winner is... <sighs> Flexing, flexing. This one hurts my soul. Mike Ross coming from Quizmaster for all those years to his first opportunity as contestant, and he whips us, whips us all. Feels like I've gone from, you know, watching Jeopardy on the couch to doing it on the stage. Maybe I actually could do that. I don't know. Guys, we got to get out. Though I didn't get on. (laughs) We got to get out of here, Mike. Thank you for filling in today. Andy, Karen, thank you guys as well. We'll be back again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.